When tax time comes around, are you being reactive or proactive? Do you find yourself swimming in a sea of questions? Like, is it better to do my tax return cheaply? How do I know if I'm doing them the right way? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we'll answer these questions and many more. Sharpen your pencils and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. Hi there and good day. This is Marcelino Dodge with the Tax Answers Advisor. Just a quick uh, quote here that Plato said, when there is an income tax, the just man will pay more and the unjust man will pay less on the same amount of income. That is, believe it or not, I believe it's really true because men uh, or people will come up with different amounts they owe on the same amount of income. It's amazing what happens in this business. So what we're going to go ahead and do is stop and take a look and thank you, first of all, for um, those who are listening around the world here in the U.S., China, Germany, Ireland, and other lands. We certainly appreciate everyone looking into this and getting into it. We certainly appreciate your taking the time to uh, listen to this podcast. As A few updates as we look around. The IRS this week is having National Tax Security Awareness Week, and one of the suggestions is does your preparer or the person preparing your tax return use multi-factor factor authentication? Now, that is an excellent security tool to be using, which is a tool that is used in this office uh, for our logging into various programs, which basically not only is a password required, but either you need to have, and many people have this, uh, especially a lot of banks do it, where they'll have text you like a code, or on a lot of the factors that I use will use like like some type of authentication app, which will then uh, you pull up on your phone and you'll enter in that number right off of your phone, which I find that to me works really good because it's usually faster than the text messaging. You don't have to wait for the message to come in because it's just right there on your phone. And it's excellent because it is very unlikely that anyone trying to hack into a system will not only have, get your password, but also have your your device. So it's it's a very excellent thing and it's some good to ask your tax preparer if they use that type of uh, action. Also, this is a good time of year if you have moved during the year. It is good to notify the IRS. There's a form you can download from irs.gov. Let them know, get that done. That way if there's any communication between now and when you file your taxes, you have it ready. And now here's something that I was really excited about so far as the fact that the IRS is expanding the ID protection opt-in program to taxpayers nationwide. While the ID protection program is something I've used for years with clients because of identity theft issues that have happened with them because nothing is more irritating. You go to file your tax return and then you get a rejection on the electronic filing because it says someone's already filed using your social security number. And, and so we've had to fill out a form, submit uh, ID documents, and I have several clients who actually get this uh, six-digit PIN each year from the IRS that they have to have, whether they file their tax return on paper, and you have to have it on electronic filing. Because what happens if it's not there is that it will reject, and you'll have to get that PIN number from the IRS. Now, that used to be previously only available if you actually had an identity theft case. Now, the IRS, though, as announced, this actually came out today that they're going to allow taxpayers who can verify their identity beginning in 2021 
to go ahead and opt in to the ID protection program to give you another layer of protection. Now, I'm going to explain this to the people whom, to whom I serve and just let them know it's an option available. Uh, you're certainly not required, but it gives an additional layer of protection if a taxpayer is really concerned about that. Now, going into what our topic today about is, in fact, of talking about 2020, looking at what happened this year as we prepare for 2021. Now, as we take a look and really go after uh, the information for this year and everything else, we want to keep in mind that part of what Cash Tracks Financial does is helping ones to adjust through these areas and to understand these changes so that you, as our client, doesn't necessarily need to understand them, but just know that you are getting taken care of when you're enrolled in one of our programs here. And so to learn more about these, to get a hold of us, you can always visit uh, cashtracksfinancial.com. You can email me at success at cashtracksfinancial.com or just give a call, 844 2020, we thought at the beginning was going to be a simple year. Well, usually election years are pretty simple years, but there were several bills that came through that affected taxes. There's also, even today, what we have, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, passed in 17, which benefited so many taxpayers on so many levels, despite what is often explained out there it has benefited taxpayers from the 10% tax bracket, which are those who have like 10, less than $10,000 a year taxable income, all the way up to the millionaires and billionaires. It's benefited everybody, no matter what anybody says in the media. It's benefited a large swath of taxpayers. And I know that for a fact because I've seen lower tax bills on just about every single one of my clients. So that, has been a, that was a tremendous, tremendous bill. That did wonderful things, especially when it takes a tax bracket from 15% down to 12%. That's a 30% tax cut. So don't let anybody tell you different that it only benefited people of a certain uh, $400,000 or more. Don't let anybody tell you that. It benefited people of every income level. This year, we had the CARES Act, the Coronavirus Relief Act, which also affected many uh, areas and also had much uh, information that we're going to consider some of that today. And the SECURE Act also is an, another act that affects a lot of that was actually passed in 2019, but yet still affects us today. And certainly we're going to consider these. First of all, looking at how our 2020 tax returns are going to be affected as we look ahead to, to planning into 2021, but just some things to keep in mind just to be able to make some adjustments. Our tax rates, for example, with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, those uh, range now anywhere from 10% on the lower end up to 37%. So that's where those rates come in, which, is, which varies according to income. Just too many figures to try to go through on a program like this, but yet that's where they're rating from, and, and a lot of people benefit from, from it, as I mentioned earlier. Capital gains taxes, uh, so if you have some capital gains that you've made during the year, which is very possible. You can have anywhere from a 0% capital tax, capital gains tax rate up to 20% ta uh, capital gain, capital gains tax rate. So those are still there. And it's, uh, it's really interesting because depending on your tax bracket, I've had some people actually make, make several thousand dollars on a capital gain on a sale of a property and yet pay no capital gains tax just because of where their, uh, 
taxable income is and where their tax bracket is. So that, that does happen. I know that. I've done it several times. Now, because of the tax cut and jobs act, we still have a zero dollar uh, dependency exemption. That's actually going to be in effect under current law through 2025. But yet, of course, as we remember, they also doubled the standard deductions, and there's a lot of credits, uh, particularly the child tax credit, which they up from a thousand up to two thousand dollars per child age 16 and under. Now, I get asked this question. And I'm confused about it, frankly, to this day in all the years I've been doing taxes. Where do they come up with this random age of 16? Because people, young people, are still in the home, usually 17 and 18. Anyway, but that's what the law is. Who knows? Now, of the $2,000, that's a $1,400 of that is refundable, which uh, I have uh, some people that actually get the refundable part of that, which is a very nice uh, provision. And certainly that can, ones can very much so take advantage of. And then for the 17 and 18 year olds that are still in your home, as well as other uh, dependents that you may qualify, it's called an other dependent credit. That's a $500 credit. Uh, but yet it also phases out, starts phasing out when you have income at uh, $200,000 or more and adds up depending on filing status as well. So that's uh, also something that's affected from 2020. Uh, affects 2020 from the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Our medical expenses, uh, which this was a really, this was a good fix. This went, goes, this, uh, because the Tax Cut and Jobs Act actually, well, no, that actually fixed this, I'm sorry. Uh, before the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, uh, the medical expenses were at, had a 10% limitation. Well, and that was prior to the Affordable Care Act, but, well, that was because of the Affordable Care Act, I'm sorry. Before the Affordable Care Act, that was at 7.5%. Well, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act did a very nice uh, law change, making it 7.5% limitation on medical expenses for 2020. Now, what we do encounter once again because of this, uh, of the doubling of the standard deduction, is that not as many people are taking medical expenses. So what you want to make sure you're doing, if you're doing medical expenses, is try to do as much as you can that you're paying out of pocket for a year. So this year, there could be some possibilities uh, with, uh, with the pandemic and the coronavirus treatments, and maybe you had to maybe put something off into 2021. So it's something to maybe perhaps plan for, be trying to bunch those expenses into 2021, if, if at all possible, because of how some uh, medical treatments were delayed because of uh, the coronavirus. So that's something to uh, possibly consider and look at to maybe be bunching those. Now, medical expenses also includes not just your doctors, your hospitals, uh, prescription drugs, uh, chiropractors, dental, vision, it also includes what you pay for out-of-pocket health insurance. Now, I do know there's some people, and I have some clients, who do not go and buy their health insurance on the exchange. They go and buy it direct from a company. So they, they, they don't worry about the tax credits, but they go and buy it directly from a company, and they pay that company uh, for, directly for their health insurance. And thus, those amounts uh, could help them make could go up to that 7.5% and maybe depending on other medical expenses, maybe they'll be able to actually take a deduction 
or be able to itemize their deductions with medical expenses and other expenses that come in, which one of those, of course, is the state and local income taxes or state and local taxes, which has been a source of big controversy uh, with some states because that's capped at $10,000 per year, which for some states I can see where that can be an issue because they do have perhaps more income taxes or higher property taxes. Other states, it's not so much of an issue. So it just kind of varies uh, what state you're in and what taxes you are, whether you're in a high-tax state or a low-tax state. That can be an issue. But if you have those amounts, that can certainly get you closer to the uh, standard deduction maybe you can be able to itemize. Our mortgage interest deduction, that is for buying a home. That would be up to $750,000, what you can deduct in mortgage interest, which... In some of these cases, obviously, you buy a home for a few hundred thousand dollars, you probably have enough mortgages that'll take you beyond whatever your standard deduction is uh, for the year, depending on your filing status. And actually, that's uh, for mortgages after uh, December 15th, 2017. So just a little thought there to keep in mind. Now, also, one other item from the tax uh, that changed this year as a result of one of the law changes uh, is our charitable donations. Yes, with charitable donations, we keep in mind that up to $300 this year, because that was one of the changes that came into this year, is that you can deduct, it's called an above-the-line deduction, cash deduction. It's not donations of clothing or other items that you donated to a charity or physical items, but it's cash donations up to $300. And that's per return, by the way, up to $300 for individuals who do not itemize, which is going to be the vast majority of taxpayers who will not be itemizing. Thus, you will be able to to take that. Now, if you do itemize, uh, you'll have to take it as a part of your itemized deduction. And of course, we keep in mind there's still the $250 deduction for uh, for educators, which is very nice deduction as well. It's a small one, but you know, hey, every little bit you can take is is uh, definitely worth that. We want to also keep in mind that uh, another above the line deduction, which certainly I encourage ones to take care of, take advantage of as much as they can, uh, depending on your employment status and other eligibility, is, is make your uh, IRA contribution for the year. You have till April 15th of 2021 to actually make your contribution for 2020. And then some other items that uh, keep coming out is that if you, by chance, this year, see, where was that? Oh, it's over here. If you have a distribution, if you have a distribution you have taken from your IRA, for a new addition to the family. So if you had a child during this year, and uh, one opinion I have is that as a result of uh, many people staying home is that we may have a baby boom coming up. So this is going to be something to keep keep everybody in mind, and we may have this start uh, starting here in December. So if you happen to be having a new addition to the family, you can take a distribution from your retirement plan of up to $500, and you will not pay the 10% penalty. That is certainly 
a very nice thing. You'll pay regular income tax, but not the additional 10%. So that is something uh, very nice that they also allowed within the law. Another area to think about is that part of what was allowed or done this year as a result of, oh, we'll, we'll come up, we'll come back to that later. Let's uh, keep, 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 keep going here. Disasters. This is another area that fits in this year is with disasters and casualty losses. Got to keep in mind, those are in the year of the disaster, which if you have uh, been a victim of one of the hurricanes in particular and had damage to your home uh, or other belongings, now, this deduction mainly does come in if you have not been reimbursed by insurance. Now, with that, so if, and you may be able to take it even if you have been reimbursed, but it really depends how much you've been reimbursed by insurance for a disaster. So, but if you, if you have it this year, you can possibly take a dictionary and there's some other rules that come in, uh, but definitely need to uh, consult with a tax professional like myself to really discuss that and to figure out what advantage is going to be better for you on that. Just a reminder, uh, gambling, some individuals do gamble and they get some losses and you can take gambling losses up only to what you actually win. So just because you lose and you're a very bad gambler and you never win, you can't take your gambling losses. You actually have to have some winnings to be able to take your gambling losses. Also, our alimony, as a result of a tax cut and jobs, was no longer a deduction uh, for divorce decrees that were executed after December 31st, 2018, or were amended after that date. Now, even before that, uh, because alimony was, you could take it as, as a deduction, which those who paid it out were we're taking it as a deduction. Thus, it was income for uh, whoever the, the ex-spouse was receiving it. But even before that time, that was a challenge to be able to accurately do that because the, the divorce decree that talked about that had to be very specific and had to have some very specific criteria in order to be able to even take the deduction. So it's vitally important uh, that we keep in mind that if you still have a decree that you're doing alimony on that was dated prior to December 31st, 2018. Got to make sure it's worded correctly. And I always ask when that comes, it's another one of those deals that when I visit with someone, when they talk about that, I say, give me a copy of the divorce decree. I need to read it over. I need to see how it fits in with tax law. And we're going to go ahead and take a break on that note here. As we return in a couple minutes, this is Marcelino Dodge on the Tax Answers Advisor here on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Today's tax and financial environment is constantly changing. Tax laws change rapidly. The traditional reactive approach to tax preparation and taxes no longer works. To deliver the best possible outcomes in today's world, 
you need a year-round approach to take advantage of tax law changes and to pay as little tax as possible. Marcelino Dodge of Cash Tracks Financial helps his clients to implement proactive tax strategies throughout the year to limit his clients' tax liability. Plus, with this year-round approach, clients can increase their cash flow and be as prepared for the future as they can be. Email Marcelino at success at cashtracksfinancial.com or call 844-394-4287. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. This is the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. To reach our program today, please call in. The number is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to success at cashtracksfinancial.com. Now, back to the Tax Answers Advisor. Welcome back to the Tax Answers Advisor. Oh, this is Marcelino Dodge on the Voice America Business Channel. Really appreciate you listening to the program today as we talk about some of the updates from 2020, as we look at these planning into 2021, as we look forward, because we don't know what's going to happen after uh, when January comes along. But yet, yeah, we're going to take a look at these things now, perhaps share some planning ideas, as well as as we just keep in mind that this is what we do at Cash Tracks Financials help you to prepare for the unexpected by helping you to know what your goals are and helping to direct you to those goals. And yes, please, you're always welcome to contact me. It's success at cashtracksfinancial.com or you can call at 844-394-4287. And we can certainly discuss a mutual exploration section session for uh, free just to see if our services are what you're looking for to help you to be successful overall. We're looking at our moving expenses now. Just a quick reminder, those used to be deductible, but now they've, uh, since Tax Cut and Jobs Act, they're allowed only for armed forces moving due to some type of change in orders that they receive. Now, we still also have a qualified tuition and fees deduction that's good through 2020. And it's one of those items that you know could always end up getting renewed. It seems like it goes away and it comes back such such a quite an interesting uh, fact that Congress always makes when they do these. Now, a very nice provision is that for those who have 529 plans that they've been saving mainly for college, a very good provision, which I thought this was a good provision, that came out was a $10,000 a year could be used to educate at a public, private, or religious elementary or secondary school. So that is... That is just tremendous that uh, parents have that option available to use a 529 plan if they're not wanting to necessarily wait to college, uh, but they can they can do it for uh, 
for their child. Now, it's also interesting with Geekfund 529 plans is that the parents always maintain ownership of that, and they can alternate, they can change the beneficiary of it. So if like one child, they had to set aside for one child for college, they can always move it over to another child if that child chooses not to go to college. So it's very, very interesting, but we just kind of let each uh, parent uh, with that, they decide what they want to do, but yet we can also help, of course, setting those up as well. Student loan debt is discharged due to permanent disability. So this is nice. This is a very nice provision. It is excluded from income because many times if uh, student loan debt is discharged, you get it back as income. But if you're permanently disabled, it's not included in your income. Of course, you need some type of certification that you are permanently disabled. I haven't actually encountered this yet or had someone have to deal with this. But, you know, it is something, though, that is a very nice provision that came out of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. And then also we keep in mind that our current estate tax exclusion is $11,580,000. A lot of debate and argument about the estate tax exclusion. So what's right, what's wrong, but it's at $11,500,000 right now. May change depending what happens in Congress, but that's where we are right now. As we take a look at some other additional information that came up this year, looking particularly now at the CARES Act, this is something that is... Very, very nice provision that came out of it is that if you take an early withdrawal from your retirement plan up to 100000 this would be if you did this after March 27th of 2020. Now, if you had to do it because of, uh, like, for example, if your state had a stay-at-home order, which 45 of the 50 states have had some type of stay-at-home order, or if uh, in one of the if you had one of the states that did not have a stay-at-home order, but maybe it was done on the local level in the city or the county, a really nice provision that was made there is the fact that the retirement plans or your IRAs, you could take a hundred thousand up to a hundred thousand dollars out after March twenty-seventh and have the ten percent early withdrawal penalty waived. What a wonderful, wonderful gift that was to those who need to draw upon their retirement plans early because of perhaps having to uh, stay home because of a stay-at-home order or even unable to work from home. Now, a lot of people were able to work from home, but however, if some got laid off and needed to draw on that after March 27th, it's a very beautiful thing. You're able to do that and not have to pay that extra 10% penalty. So basically, if you had to take out like 25000 out of your retirement plan, normally you would have to pay like a $2,500 early withdrawal penalty under this provision. You don't need to, and you won't have to. So it's, it's there. Still trying to see maybe how that's going to be on the tax forms reflected, or maybe it's going to be on the 1099Rs. But either way, uh, as I work with people, we're going to make sure that that applies appropriately so that ones don't have to pay that 10% penalty. Of course, a big talk with the CARES Act was the uh, stimulus payments uh, for adults, $1,200 per adults and $500 per qualifying child, 16 and under. A big topic of debate. This was uh, a lot of clients. Well, most of my clients got these and uh, some of them course had the direct deposits if they had direct deposit on their refunds if you had owed money you had probably received a check now 
the biggest part of this that caused a lot of controversy for my clients is when they sent out the debit cards with the stimulus on the debit card. Some people I know threw them away because they thought it was a scam. I had a client come into the office and uh, ask me about it and I said, oh, this was the debit card. So yeah. And he said, I said, yeah, this is a debit card. This is how you got your stimulus. He's like, oh, okay. Well, and so he went and took care of it there. So, and then some people, because I've worked with a lot of different people who, uh, some who actually hadn't, wasn't going to have a filing requirement for 2020, which was very nice with this stimulus payment. They said it's also based on 2019 tax return. And some of these people had filed in 2019 and they got their stimulus payments still because they had filed a tax return. So that's an excellent reason. See, this is, there's a lot of interesting things. People, non-filers in particular, are the ones that were like all of a sudden rushing to go get their taxes done because they hadn't filed or they were behind for whatever reason. Now this here, this stimulus payment is an excellent example that I say is that why you need to always be filing your taxes, not be procrastinating on them, but get them done. That way you can get your tax stimulus because you never know when this is going to happen. Time, unexpected events, which what happened with this coronavirus was an unexpected event. So you got to get, just do your taxes, get them filed on time. If, if you are behind, you need to get caught up and we can certainly uh, do that for appropriate fees to help you to get caught up yet. It's something you need to do. And as I mentioned in a previous episode, is that it's important to do because if you don't file your taxes, there's no statute of limitations. At least if you file your tax return, you've started the statute of limitations on your tax return. So it's ideal to do it not just for the statute, but also so that if if another stimulus payment comes out or who knows what happens in the future with this, you get them filed, it, you do not have a delay in getting such uh, payments done. Now, if you don't have a filing requirement, then of course don't do it. But if you do have a filing requirement, then definitely get it done. Don't hesitate. Do it. Now, these stimulus payments, which is very nice, is that they are not considered taxable income. It's actually an advance credit for 2020, which if you uh, did not keep that notice that came with President Trump's signature on it, you were supposed to keep it and put it on your uh, with your tax information. But you must remember how much that you received because there is a reconciliation that will be done on the 2020 tax return. So it's vital that you do have that information available, how much that you received in a stimulus payment, because what is interesting and is really nice is that if for some reason, who knows why, because uh, there were some that still hadn't gotten it up, up until, well, up until November 21st, which is when, the IRS had uh, finally cut off the things for ones to go in and register to get their payment. But if you didn't receive a stimulus for 2020, when you go back in 2020, when we file the 2020 tax return, because you're going to show, well, no, I didn't get this. You could very well get it as part of your 2020 tax return. Now, if you happen to be overpaid on it, you don't have to pay it back, which based on what your income is for 2020, you may actually have, have had an overpayment because there was a phase out that kick, kicked in 
above certain income levels. The other side of that is that if you're, because what they did is that they issued it out based on, like say if you had your 2019 tax return filed, it was issued out based on that, that amount. And so some people may have actually have gotten a reduced payment because of where their income occurred in 2020 on the 2019 tax return. But if your income dropped in 20 for 2020 and you were, and you only received a partial one, you, there's a very good chance you could get the remainder, like the remainder of a $1,200 payment. So say if due to your 2019 income, you only got like a $700 stimulus, on the 2020 tax return, your income drops below that uh, threshold, you could very well get that extra $500. So that's something as well to look forward to from the CARES Act. As we look at the SECURE Act a little bit here, a nice provision that came out of that is the fact that required minimum distribution age uh, jumped up to age 72. So if you have an IRA or or another retirement plan and you're still working and you don't want to take money out of your IRA and you're approaching uh, these ages, you have to, you don't have, you can now wait till 72 to have to take it out. Now you can always, always start early if you want to, but you can wait if you'd like. Now a fine deal that I really enjoy is that many people, and there are some that will keep working for as long as they like or for up to whatever age or they basically get tired of working. But yet under prior law, if you, prior to the SECURE Act, if you uh, got above a certain age, you had to stop. You couldn't contribute to an IRA or a retirement plan. Now, though, because of the SECURE Act, very nice. As long as you have earned income, you can contribute to an IRA. And that is, a, that is, that is wonderful as far as I'm concerned, is that there are some individuals who are out there still work and they enjoy work. They like what they're doing. They're able to do it and they still want to contribute to their IRA. Now they can do it as a result of the secure act. And so that's just a wonderful, another wonderful provision that came out. Some other items that we're, that we're going to touch on here is that there was an option that if, uh, that came out of the legislation this year where, uh, the employers could defer withholding the employees portion of social security tax now, I don't know of any employers that actually did that because as a tax professional and working with people on payroll, I didn't actually recommend doing that. And the reason is that all it was is was a deferral, which meant that at some time that withholding would have to be paid. Uh, and to avoid a bookkeeping nightmare, and I, visit, I recommended to my clients, let's not worry about this, let's just... Let's just do this, keep it as it is. And certainly for the employers I've worked with, it's worked out good because if you had done that withholding or deferred that withholding, you'd have had to pay it at some time because those amounts were still going to be due between January 1st and April 30th of 2021. So it wasn't, at least in my opinion as a professional, that was not a good idea to do, defer the withholding portion of employee, the employee's portion of social security tax. Other items here is when it comes to scams, oh man, the last few years, this has been awful. People, I remind everyone, you guys be 
vigilant on this. Yes, be vigilant on these. You have these people calling, saying they're going to send the county sheriff over to you because you owe the IRS money and they're going to arrest you. That is the biggest lie that is out there. So if some, if you ever get a phone call like that, you just hang up. You can report it to the Federal Trade Commission as well because the IRS does not, does not make any phone calls demanding immediate payment. So it's nothing to be afraid of because we keep in mind that the IRS actually sends you numerous letters if you owe them money. Some of them, it gets, when it gets to the point, they'll even send them certified where you have to sign for the letter if you owe the IRS money. So yes, they never make that kind of demanding call. Now there's also some private debt collecting agencies that the IRS is using to collect the tax debt. Uh, you just got to be look very, very careful with those, but still keep in mind, there's no demand calls, several, several notices you need to get in the mail before they even get to the point where they're going to do, where they're going to, uh, make a phone call. Now, of course, you know, there's, there's, and one thing's going to happen if you really have a serious tax debt with the IRS or there's something really serious going on, they're not going to send the local sheriff. The IRS has their own individuals, which they'll send with a badge and a gun. That's when you know you're in trouble with the IRS. So otherwise, don't worry about it. Be vigilant on these. Don't let these scams, these ones who are trying to keep and trying to get your money. And the other thing is another one common out there that uh, we've heard about a lot over the last year is gift cards. They want you to go down and get a gift card. IRS doesn't take payments on gift cards. Talked about that a little bit before as well. We also see that many banks at this point are having ones apply for PPP loan forgiveness. Uh, I have several clients who went to the banks, many of my local banks here, which they have been great overall, uh, applying for that payroll protection loan. Which is which is which worked out really good. Uh, right now, currently applying for these amounts, what's going to be forgiven? And with this, we also got to know some went and got the uh, idle, uh, what's known as the idle loan advance, which was up to ten thousand dollars, depending on the number of employees that you had. That's another item that's going to be important to know as we go forward uh, on uh, tax uh, in preparation for taxes and looking at what uh, we need to do for twenty twenty one. Now, we don't sure, I haven't seen any of these yet, and I'm not sure if they're coming out, but I haven't seen it at least in my area yet as far as uh, any PPP loans being forgiven. But if uh, you do have one that is forgiven, we need to know the amount of that loan that is forgiven. That is absolutely essential, which usually most, most clients and most people are going to have it forgiven up to the amount up to whatever they got the loan advance for the idle loan advance. So say if you had a, like a $65,000 PPP loan, but you got a $10,000 idle advance, more than likely, as long as all your criteria is met, you're going to have like $55,000 of that PP loan forgiven. So that keeps in mind as well. Maybe, uh, 
as going through the uh, COVID-19 different trials and stuff happening, maybe you had some, you filed and got some employee retention credits, if any. We need to know those as well. And some of these areas, as we look at some of these things, some may increase taxable income. Now, we keep in mind where the tax part on the PPP loan comes in is that under current IRS guidance is that expenses paid with the PPP loan are not deductible expenses. So wages, utilities, some other operating expenses that you may have paid with the PPP loan. So if you got like a $25,000 PPP loan, you may have $25,000 of non-deductible expenses. And that basically has to do with the fact that under current law, where we are right now, as of the date of this recording, that those, because it's going to be forgiven, it's, they're not considered expenses. Now, the other key point with the PPP loan forgiveness is that that amount that's going to be forgiven will also not be considered income. And usually when a loan of some type is forgiven, what we see is the fact that what they call is a 1099C for cancellation of debt, well, those are not going to be issued out. So we see that that's where we are right now in regards to PPP loans. want to give a quick reminder also is that if you received unemployment this year, and millions and millions of people did, wait till you get that 1099G from the Department of Labor in your state, whether you can pull it off on online account or if you're going to get one in the mail. Keep in mind with that, we had a whole show on this a few weeks ago, is that if you didn't have them do withholding on that, you may end up owing taxes or greatly reduce your refund, whatever the case may be. So, But make sure to wait for that 1099G. Don't get that 1099, your W-2 from your work, and then run to your tax preparer and get it done. But wait till you have all your forms, particularly that 1099G, because an amended return is what needs to be avoided in this particular case. The W-4 form, as we're planning, looking to what's going to go into 2021, we had a new one come out this year. It is a very confusing. Uh, we consult with ones in helping to complete that uh, because what it does do, it's completely different as uh, what used to be done in the past. And I, and to me, you need to consult a tax professional when doing because your employer may or may not be able to help you. I don't know, but I would say consult a tax professional uh, when you do it. Uh, we have some tools on our website, cashtracksfinancial.com, that can definitely uh, be helping you do this. Now, other items that came out this year, one other item here is very nice, is that beginning in 2020, if you had student loan debt, and you have some 529 funds in that 529 plan, you can actually, beginning this year, use some of those 529 funds to pay down a student loan. Boy, what a generous, generous offer they made. And then again, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is that if you're a new parent, and congratulations to you if you are a new parent, uh, you can take up to a $5,000 distribution uh, penalty-free for a birth or an adoption from your IRA retirement plan. That way, uh, you take $5,000 out, you'll just pay regular income tax, you'll not, you not pay the $500 in additional tax 
for that. That's a lot to take in this year, but as we look toward 2021, a lot of different changes that we've gone over and we have considered at this point, and we certainly are not sure what the future with the new Congress coming in in January, what is going to happen or what's going to change. It just really, really depends, but this is where we are now, which is why we stress is that as we look at solutions, there's a lot of uncertainty out there with a lot of different areas, which is why as Cash Tracks Financial and uh, Marcelino Dodge here as we work, because there are an infinite amount of solutions for you all in regards to these areas. And there's an infinite amount of uh, apps you can use to help you or supposedly help you to do it. But you don't always know what to do. You're not really sure what you need to look at. What we come in and do as we look at solutions for you is that we help you to establish your goals. Come to understand what is it you want to accomplish in three months, in six months, in a year, in two years. Take a look at whatever your goals are. Help you to reach those goals. Help you determine. Let's get them down in writing. And then what's going to be an indication of your success? By accomplishing this goal, what are we going to accomplish? What's going, what's going to be, what's going to make me feel good about this or the result? What, what's going to happen with that? Certainly then also we want to sit down, gather your data, sit down, have a good telephone conversation or a nice uh, video chat meeting where we can sit down face-to-face uh, -face over video chat and be able to gather your key data, business finances, personal finances, because this works for both business and personal. And as we gather these and look at them very closely, we identify the threats, work to reduce those threats for you, and then work with you year-around on your action plan. And all of that is included in our uh, business and our personal bundles that help you to be successful. And of course, we always begin with a free mutual exploration session. Now, this session is just a nice session, kind of a get to know each other kind of session that allows us to get to know each other a little bit better, helps me to understand what your goals are and where you want to accomplish and what your priority is. We start at the top, whatever your first priority is, get to your second one, then you move on down, find out how that's going to benefit you. Now, as we go through all of this, see, we help you to be successful and we keep you up to date on all of your income tax preparation, all for a simple monthly fee, affordable monthly fee that starts at $49 for individuals and, and $149 for business. Uh, you're encouraged and I would certainly like to hear from you as to be able to discuss these with you. You can visit us. It's uh, cashtracksfinancial.com or success at cashtracksfinancial.com or give me a call, 844-394-4287. Thank you for tuning in today. Your rights as a taxpayer is what we're going to talk about, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, next week as we are on the Tax Answers Advisor. I'm Marcelino Dodge, Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. 
We'll be back again next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week. and financial environment is constantly changing. Tax laws change rapidly. The traditional reactive approach to tax preparation and taxes no longer works. To deliver the best possible outcomes in today's world, you need a year-round approach to take advantage of tax law changes and to pay as little tax as possible. Marcelino Dodge of Cash Tracks Financial helps his clients to implement proactive tax strategies throughout the year to limit his clients' tax liability. Plus, with this year-round approach, clients can increase their cash flow and be as prepared for the future as they can be. Email Marcelino at success at cashtracksfinancial.com or call 844-394-4287.